Hey everyone, I'm Ed, Rachel's assistant. As you know, she's off busy moving to New Zealand, and we wanted to get this great recording from the Hush Little Baby launch at Murder by the Book out into the podcast world. This is an awesome conversation between Pretty Little Liars author Sarah Shepard and Rachel about Rachel's new book and both of their writing processes. Special thanks to John at Murder by the Book in Houston for letting us use this audio, who also hosts many other great author events on their Facebook and YouTube page. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us this evening. This is John. I am the event coordinator at Murder by the Book here in Houston, and I'm so excited for tonight's event. But before we get started, I just wanted to give everybody a couple of general announcements about what's going on in the store. Um, So if you have not come to visit us in a while, we have been open since uh, October for in-store browsing. So you can come visit us. Um, We're still limiting it to six people in the store at a time just because it's a small space. Um, I'm sure in the next couple of weeks, we will probably adjust that a little bit with the new CDC regulations. But even with those, we're still asking everybody to please wear a mask when you come in. As many of you know, with us being in Houston and so close to the medical center, we do have a lot of immunocompromised people that come in that are getting treatment at MD Anderson. And we just want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable in the space. So we hope that you will um, continue to mask up when you come to visit us. But please come visit us. We know not that not everybody is getting out and about just yet. So if you are still doing curbside pickup, if you want to do that, just give us a call when you pull up. We used to have a table where we would set your books outside. We're not putting the table out anymore, mostly because we're lazy booksellers and generally forget that the table is outside. So inevitably we would set the alarm, walk out the door to lock up and realize there was a table in there and try to scramble to get it in before the alarm went off. So just give us a call when you pull up and we are happy to run books out to the parking lot for you. Uh, We've got lots of great stuff coming up. So if you have not checked out murderbooks.com lately, We've got um, a bunch of virtual events. We have done over 200 of these with over 350 authors since the pandemic started. Uh, So those are all up for uh, watching on our Facebook and our YouTube channel. Uh, Next uh, next Monday, we're going to be doing another Agora and Polis event. Um, next Thursday, we're super excited. We're going to be chatting with May Cobb about her new book, The Hunting Wives, which comes out Tuesday. And another great Texas author, Amy Gentry, is going to be in conversation with her. So we hope that you guys will check that out. Also, when you're perusing the website, make sure you check out the signed book and signed personalized pages because we've been getting, we just confirmed a lot of really cool signed stuff. Um, and also a general disclaimer, we haven't had any issues in a couple of days, but sometimes when we do our virtual events, especially on Facebook, we will get some spammers pop up and post links asking you to click away from the event to go somewhere else to put in um, your credit card info to watch the event. You don't have to do that. The event is free to watch. You are watching it already, so you don't have to click away to give somebody your credit card info to watch something that is out already. Uh, if any of those pop up, I will block them as I see them, but sometimes I just wanna make sure you guys don't click on them before I can get to them. Um, as I said, I'm so excited for tonight's event. Um, uh, our H Heron, uh, Rachel Heron, is one of my favorite people in the world. As we were talking before, um, she has come and stayed at my house when she was in town. I visited her out in San Francisco with her wife and everybody that lives out there. So I'm so excited that we're doing this. Um, if you guys have not read Hush Little Baby yet, you are in for a ride. It is a nail biter. It's twisty. It's so fantastic. And we're super excited to have Sarah Shepard to be chatting with us this evening. So I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to start with Rachel. How are you tonight, Rachel? I'm so thrilled to see you. I would really, really like to give you a hug, but um, <laughs> but this will do. Are you in the downstairs bedroom where I sleep? No, I am where actually in, I'm in our uh, in the library in the computer room that we just repainted and oh, just got new ooh. bookcases. So it's all it looks like beautiful. Thank you. By the way, pro tip: don't remodel a room in your house when you're serving on jury duty in the middle of a pandemic because it's exhausting. <laughs> like, don't do it. <laughs> I cannot even imagine. Good for you. Well, it looks great. Thanks. Um, Congratulations on the new book, Hush Little Baby. It just came out uh, yesterday. So for anybody who is watching, if you pre-order from, or if you order the book from us, Rachel will send you a um, a signed book plate. So when you order, when I send you your order confirmation, I will send you her email address so she can get in touch with you. And if you want it personalized, let her know. But uh, so if anybody is tuning in and doesn't know Rachel, AKA R.H. Heron, um, she received her MFA in writing from Mills College, Oakland. She's the author of the thrillers uh, Stolen Things and this new one, Hush Little Baby, as well as the best-selling author of more than two dozen books under a different name. She lives and teaches in California. And as I said, we're super excited to have Sarah Shepard with us this evening. I'm going to bring her out. How are you tonight, Sarah? Hi, I'm good. Thanks so much for doing this with us. I'm so happy to be here. 
Uh, so Sarah Shepard is the number one New York Times bestselling author of the Pretty Little Liars series, the Lion Game series, the Heiress, the Elizas, the Perfectionist series, and Reputation, which is her most recent. We have copies of um, both authors' books in store. So if you want to um, uh, order those, you can do that at murderbooks.com. I'm going to drop a link in the comments in just a second so you can get more information about them. And um, I'm going to turn this over to Sarah in just a second. But before I do, if you guys have any questions while she and Rachel are talking, please, please, please post those in the comments on Facebook and YouTube. I will be collecting those while I'm listening to them chat and I will pop back in in just a little bit to relay those. So Sarah, I'm going to turn it over to you. You guys have fun and I will see you in just a little bit. Thank you, John. All right. Thank you. Hi. How are you? Hi, Sarah. It's so nice to meet you in person. We were kind of saying a little bit backstage that we have a mutual bestie in Carrie Luna, who is an yeah. amazing writer and wrote The Revolution of Every Day. And uh, she said she's here tonight. So shout out to Carrie. Hi, Carrie. I know. But, but, but because of that, you and I go back like maybe almost 20 years. Yeah. So I, it's so funny because when I got the request to um, be on in this event, which I was really excited about, I was like, I know that name. Why do I know the name R.I. Chiron? Um, and I, I think I, I mean, I know the other name that you published under, but I, but I really knew you from uh, the days of blogging and we both used to be really into knitting. Um, you probably were a more talented knitter than I was. I just made stuff, but I feel like you designed patterns and like I like designed four patterns, and they were so broken. They were really they were well, not good. I don't know if I made them. I think did you do a lot of socks? I always had socks on the go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe that's and I, and I still do. Maybe that's like that's one of the few things that have stuck around. Yeah. Um, I, I, do you think that I know we're already like in the weeds now, but do you think that as we get more and more into writing, that that kind of scratched that itch for creation? I, I know that myself. You know what I think has happened um, with knitting is my phone, unfortunately. Oh yeah. So True. knitting, so knitting used to be my thing, where you know, at night would watch TV. I wish I could have done it reading and I never was able to like turn the page and still knit. So I would always be watching TV. Um, and it was sort of my thing to do with my hands while I was watching a show. But now, unfortunately, our phones are so much more part of our lives. Like, you know, th this is like the knitting I'm talking about. This was like in 2000 six 2007 so like smartphones weren't as big of a thing yeah, um yeah. facetime or not facetime facebook like all the social media stuff like instant i don't think i even had email on my phone any of that stuff so i just didn't look at it all the time so now i'm just looking at it all the time so it's kind of like oh yeah i guess i could knit right now but i'm playing this game on my phone or like doing a crossword on my phone or like doing whatever and it just like feels too much to like use my fingers in it. It always comes down to dopamine hits, right? It's I mean, really what is, what yeah. is gonna give you a bigger dopamine hit? I talk about I talk about this with my students a lot. It's like, are you going to is it gonna feel better to knit or to like write words that are not coming easily or just to eat I know. ice cream and watch Netflix. I just I want to I want to or to look at TikTok. Yeah. Like, the yeah. TikTok, the TikTok is the dopamine explosions. Are you TikTok. on the TikTok yet? Yeah, no, I like yeah. the TikTok. I am not a TikToker. Um, I I don't do my own TikTok videos, but I but I enjoy TikTok. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I do. I watch a lot of dogs um, on TikTok. <laughs> I mean, TikTok's fun because it's it's just so mindless, and it's not like Instagram where you look through Instagram and you feel a little bit. I generally feel a little bit terrible about myself a lot of the time. So I'm just like, oh, I can't, I can't do that anymore. But so I, yeah. I think the bottom line is like, I would love to get back into knitting because I would just not, I would love not to be on my phone so much, um, yeah. but it's a hard, it's a hard habit to break. That's so anyway, get back to me on it. Get back to me on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That is how I got, I, I, I knew who you were and I knew that you were a talented writer, even in your knitting blogs. So, um, I was so excited when I found out that you had moved into the thriller world. Um, but I am curious how 
that happened? Like, what is the progression of, of how, because you started out kind of writing romantic stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like women's fiction romance is where I started and it was knitlet. Um, yes. My first, yes. My first yes. book was, yeah. How to knit a love song. And that, that turned into a five book series. And then I wrote a knitting memoir. And so I was <laughs> definitely in the knit world really, really, really hard. But honestly, honestly, God, like, I ran out of things to, to write about when okay. it came to knitting. Um, I'm, I'm re-releasing Life in Stitches, like the 10th anniversary edition, and I'm adding a couple of essays. And, I, and you know, I'm putting these essays into the book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I only have about two more essays in me. Like, I, I otherwise, I would be scratching the bottom of the barrel. So then I was, I was reaching out, looking for other things. And I did um, three or four kind of family women's fiction a little bit darker themes uh a a little bit heavier Mm -hmm. they did not they did not sell well although they were really really books of my heart right um so I kind of you know bombed in that industry and but but what I was reading was thrillers I've always read thrillers I'm not I'm not as big a mist like a, a a solid you know mystery mystery person I am a thriller person I want to be scared I want Mm -hmm. to and I really want to be inside I kind of want the women's fiction mash up with thriller I I love domestic thriller I love um I love being in the family looking at at that kind of structure um and how I got into it was I came up how did I get into it I came up with an idea. Oh, my agent. Hello, Susanna. If you're watching, she made me write the whole thing as she does. And then, um, (laughs) and what I did was I wrote a mainstream contemporary, more on the women's fiction side novel that was really full of emotion and connection and heart because that's, that's what comes out of my fingers when I write. (laughs) She just kept saying, make it scarier, make it scarier, make it faster. All of my beautiful prose, right. like all of the sentences that just sang, I swear to God, she was just like, nope, this is beautiful, but it's got to go. Just get faster, just get faster. And um, so that was stolen things. And then I had a contract for the second book and my editor did the same thing. So what I do is I tend to write the same kind of book and then I speed it up. Then I add the gasoline and a match and I yeah. light it on fire after I've written the first oh, that's like, couple of crappy drafts. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Because the because the way it starts, I mean it it starts in a really scary place. But even the first chapter, you can tell that something is a little bit off. You know, you can tell yeah. immediately. So that was not a, like an early draft or because you th- there's also a lot of character so. development. Yeah, I mean Yeah. My my I think my strength is character development. I think uh, uh, character development and the interactions between characters. That's what, that's what I really love to spend time in, but I can definitely spend too much time in it. I I can just drag it on forever. I could, I could live, you know, the kitchen table scenes are just my absolute crutch and I always have to write them and then, and then nix them. Uh, But, but yeah, that one, that one, I really, and even I just got um, somebody who added me on Instagram and she left the best review in her, in her bookstagram. And it said something like, this was, you know, a slow build up until the midpoint. And then, oh my God, like the roller coaster came off the tracks. And it was, uh, I think she said, and the banana peels, you know, it just went banana pants <laughs> sideways. And she just loved it. But the but the words that she used um, was kind of the way I felt when I was writing it too. I was like, build, 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 stab, 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 stab. Yes. Not, <laughs> not that there's not a lot of stabbing. There's not a lot of, well, there is a little bit, but you know, um, yeah, so that's that's how I got into it, and I really, I really love reading it. And I know we're talking about my book today, but can we talk about your book real quick? Because um, I just read Reputation, and I enjoyed it so much. In- oh, thank you. So you do this incredible job of always. Okay, and I and I want to actually talk about craft with you because I think one of the things that I'm always struggling with a little bit is the twist. And you had so many twists in that book. I always thought I knew what was going to happen next. And then you always yanked the rug out from under me. Is that something that comes naturally to you? Can I learn it? How do I learn it? Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like, I feel like with almost all of my books, I start out thinking it's going to be one twist 
And then I'm like, that twist is amazing. And then as I'm writing to that, I'm doing, I'm in the middle of this actually right now with something that I'm working on where I'm like, thought I knew the end. And then I'm like, no, that's not the end. Um, so I feel like, no, I mean, I think I, I think I come to them as I'm writing and sometimes even like in later drafts. Yeah, no, kind yeah. of the same in this, in the same way. I mean, I can't, especially like reputation. I feel like the, the, the sort of person who did it, um, <laughs> not to give anything away, but like, I, I feel like that was a different person maybe in earlier drafts and I feel like with everyone I mean I I worked on a YA series and a series years ago where you know I think I wrote a whole first book of the series thinking it was going to be the bad guy was like somebody different and then I was like oh god I hope it still works because there were six more books or something that I had to do um (laughs) But it did, but it did. But so no, I, um, I think I have a general idea and I, and I sort of work towards that, but yeah, I mean, I just, I do try to think of a lot of, of a lot of twists, but it, it is not, um, it, it does not kind of flow out of me super easily, that but, it, but I'm so, but I like doing yeah. it and I, and it's fun yeah. to, think up really crazy things but sometimes I have to pull back because it's like my problem is that I get a little overcomplicated. like your problem is writing too many kitchen table scenes I write in way too much complication um so I always have to kind of simplify um there's like way too many steps to or or maybe things that just like aren't plausible or um I love that though and I like I really I really love it when exactly what you're saying is when you think you know what you're doing yeah. in, a, in a book and then you get to where, or, or get, usually I get close to where I think I'm going and then something smacks me in the head and yeah. surprises me. And if I get that I, knee jerk jolt of, Oh, I can't do that. Then that's yeah. usually the answer or sometimes yeah. the answer. Yeah. Um, no, like I'm writing something now where I, I thought I was going in a direction and then I just was like, this is not working. And I don't know if this happens to you, but I was really cranky about it for a few days. Cause I just, cause you kind of panic because oh, if you yeah. have a contract for a book, you know, you're like, Oh my God, I have to hand something in. Um, but, but then I did kind of, I think I figured it out and it's kind of satisfying to, to figure it out, you know, but especially with thrillers, there's a lot of figuring out. Where, There's so much figuring out. Yeah. Honestly, it takes a lot of time, and 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 sometimes I have to draw myself diagrams of. Oh yeah. If this, then that, and she's she is over here at this point, so this can't happen. And right. I've forgotten about that person, and I have just worked my way into a hole. And I wish yeah. I wish that I plotted more, but I I try my best, but I just it just all the plans always go to yeah. the uh, to the side. Yeah. So you are not really a plotter. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a wannabe plotter. Yeah. I uh, look, I'm in the hotel, like I told you about, and they have these little <laughs> bottles of water. Uh-huh. And doesn't this make you feel like you're at a book signing? Like, don't you? I love it. Little yes. bo- I was like, I'm going to drink this during the book launch. Um, <laughs> plotter. I usually know the inciting incident, the midpoint, and I sometimes have a glimmer of the dark mm-hmm. moment. And then I write towards those places in the Elmore Leonard, you know, drive, drive as far as you can see with your headlights. Um, yeah, I have tried to do very detailed outlines and, and, and it's like my brain says, thank you for spending two weeks doing that detailed outline and we're putting it in the trash now because you did a bad job. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. For a lot of my YA stuff, I would write really detailed outlines and it, it just, it was nice. It was good to have the roadmap. Um, but I feel like even so, it still didn't end up what the outline what the outline was. Because um, you just have to kind of get in there and yeah. know what you're and see what these characters want. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I love your main character. Back back to Hush Little Baby. She's in a very interesting predicament. 
Um, and I, I feel like um, your publicist told me that you kind of were inspired as a ambulance dispatcher. Like, 911 dispatcher. Or yeah. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Not an ambulance dispatcher. Well, um, I also I also dispatch ambulances, so yes, that's right, is, right. Included. Which yeah. like sounds so fascinating. Uh, I feel like that would be great research as a thriller writer. I'm sure you heard all kinds of interesting stories. Um, and is that true? And can you talk a little bit about? Yeah. So when I got my master's. Um, in creative writing, I saw all my friends going into writing and then not writing. Right. Um, also, I had spent a lot of money on this diploma and I had a lot of debt and all of the freeway flying teaching jobs that I, that, you know, I, I taught for a very, very short amount of time and realized that I couldn't live in the Bay Area on $19,000 a year. So um, I decided to become a 911 dispatcher. Uh, because I saw it in a trade magazine of jobs when I was looking to try to get a truck driving job. I just wanted something <laughs> that was absolutely divorced from writing in all right. the ways. And I had this really selfish, very selfish thought that was, um, I bet 911 could give me a great view, a great window into the human condition. And I was completely right. And I feel like between 911 and all the stories I heard over 17 years of doing that, and People magazine. Like, uh -huh. I I'll have all the story ideas I ever need for life. I <laughs> yeah, no, that's so yeah. that's so lucky. I, well, not lucky, but like I just was, remember. Yeah, I remember being in grad school, and one of our teachers being like, "The best thing that you can do as a writer is go and do, have some other job, like yeah. well, get some other experience." Um, which is so offensive when you hear it. Yeah, like, I, I didn't take that advice, but um, <laughs> I actually had my my very favorite professor of all time sat me down in his office and said, you know, Rachel, you are a really, really talented writer. Um, and then he said two things. He says, I don't, but I don't know if you have the discipline to be a writer. And then he said, and I just don't think you've lived enough. You need to get out there and have a life. And I was like, screw you. Yeah. And, uh, and he, and he's still a friend of mine and I love him. And, but I always send him a copy of my books. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, yeah. I didn't think I had the discipline. <laughs> I did have to learn the discipline. So yeah. Yeah. Although maybe that was inspired. That was, maybe that was to kind of inspire you, you know, like. I claim he, he even admitted as much. Yeah. But so for this particular book, there was an, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there was something that, um, that Jillian, the main character, she is a, a pregnant OBGYN. There's mm -hmm. something that she witnesses in the hospital. Um, at Friday, I think it's right around the 30 or 40% mark. Uh, but she witnesses something happen in the hospital that I had never known could happen for real. For yeah. real. And um, it blew my mind. And, I, and I, it, it really never left me. And there's a bunch of those kind of 91 stories that kind of got stuck in my psyche and seared into my soul. And, They'll eventually, some of them, some of them have worked their way out and some of them maybe won't, but they're, but the thing about being a dispatcher is, um, I really, I, I got out of the police and policing industry cause I didn't want to be there, but I spent the majority of my time with fire and medical. Um, and every 911 call, you're hearing the very first few seconds of the worst day of a person's life. Oh yeah. And if you get lucky, you get to, you know, give them the instructions that to do the CPR that saves the person. But most of the time because of very valid and, and, and good and sturdy HIPAA laws, um, you never know what happens. Like you hang up the baby might or might not be breathing. The paramedics swoop in, rip the baby out of the child's arms and run toward the ambulance. And then I'm going to eat my oatmeal and pick up the phone and talk to somebody about their beeping smoke detector, an old lady who wants us to come over and change her, her batteries, which in fact, the fire department will do if that wheel is squeaky enough. Um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. So th there were all, I have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of unfinished stories in my head that every once in a while I pull out and finish one fictionally. I just yeah. make up an ending for it. Yeah. I never thought about that, that you wouldn't know. And you never found out the end of most of these 
most of them, interestingly, there's, there's a lot of, and there, the baby thing was mentioned on purpose because there's a lot, there's more sympathy and empathy around a baby. Like I remember one time I got this call of a man whose voice was just shaking and he was at South Shore Center in Alameda. And he was a, he was a person who likes to look in trash cans and trash bags to see if there's anything valuable inside. And he had found this paper uh, grocery sack with the top folded over in the parking lot, like in the driving lane. And he peeked into it and it had a baby oh, inside who had just been born. Oh, and yeah, and and the baby stories, like we will, will bend the HIPAA rules a little bit. Like I know that when she was at Children's Hospital, they had, this is such an incredible detail that's never made it into a book yet, but they had two um, glass jars and they had different words in them, just slips of paper holding different words. And when the nurses would get a baby, an abandoned baby in the hospital, they would pull one slip and the other slip, and that would be the baby's name until she got adopted. And this this baby's name was Tennis Four. And I have never forgotten Tennis Four. And we knew that Tennis Four was, I knew that she was hypothermic. I knew they got her, that they got her warmed up and I knew that she got adopted and, and you know, yeah. I assume that she got adopted, but she was healthy and strong. So the baby stuff gets back to you, but yeah, otherwise you, dispatchers just have to live with a lot of, um, uncertainty oh and, and as a writer as a writer we like certainty you know we yeah. like to make up that certainty yeah was it hard emotionally I mean it had, it had to be right I mean, it was almost almost never hard emotionally um not that I noticed I, I yeah. know that it took me about three or four years after I stopped doing that job and went full-time writing to actually be able to sleep through the night just because it was like for the last five years of my career, I lived in the firehouse. And when 911 rang, if I was taking a sleep break, I was paged up. So there was just never a time that your adrenaline would go down. Um, so that was hard. And there were probably four or five, four or five stories that were really shook me up. Um, that, but otherwise it was, it was really just all in a day's work and you learn how to completely compartmentalize and, yeah. and then eat your oatmeal. Oh my gosh. And then eat your oatmeal. <laughs> there are a lot of training. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all about being the dispatcher. The dis yeah. yeah, it's about six six months to a year of basically on the job training, where you're plugged in yeah. with a senior dispatcher, and um, one day they just say, "Okay, now you talk." And <laughs> your first time, you say nine one one emergency. What's the address of the emergency? And and then they say something insane, and <laughs> and your trainer just shoves you out of the way. She's just used to pushing your chair out of the way and taking over the call because you know if you hear that somebody has just been shot you forget what the next question should be. <laughs> right. Sure. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 But I guess you learn to be cool under pressure. But yeah. And it was also great because like we had to stay up all night. Most of the time I worked midnights for those 17 years and dispatchers get paid to stay awake when it's quiet. They don't, they don't get paid to clean or to make things or whatever. And most of my coworkers would, watch TV, or they would read books and magazines, but they would, you know, cross stitch or knit. Um, and I would write. Nice. Yeah. So I would sneak that writing time in while I was on the clock. And that was, and so it was a really good job for that too. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah, you're just so lucky to have all these little experiences, especially after the last year, I feel like after the last year, I mean, just being stuck in our houses, like what does anybody have to write about? <laughs> Like it was the same day again. Um, yeah, completely um, uninspiring. But no, that that is very very cool. Um, but back to okay, so back to your character. I mean, I just I, I really just love your characters, and I and as I was saying, we were saying before, um, I just got the book. I think like Monday or Tuesday or something. So I'm not finished. Um, but I just love that, you know, you, you dive so deeply into the characters right away. I mean, we, and, and there are like a lot of stakes. Um, mm. I mean, there's sort of the, obviously she is kind of, she's pregnant and it's this, awkward situation. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how much I want to give away. But I, think, I think it's, I actually, I think it's on the back of the book. Okay. Jacket, but she is pregnant with her ex's ex-wife. <laughs> um, which, you know, again, like I was saying before we got on, like it has all the elements of things that I 
that I love. And I, I just like love relationships things and like sort of miss, you know, relationships when they go wrong and like being in these predicaments. And, you know, I love also reading about motherhood. I am a mom. Um, but like the not so pretty parts of motherhood and like the moms that admit like, Oh God, do I even want to do this? Like, I don't know. Um, that's really at the core of the story for, yeah. for a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and where, you know, where did that come from? Or did that just sort of come from, you know, I, it was one of those, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Like you start writing the book one way. And I think I always, I think I always, and a lot of us, do this I'm sure we go toward the obvious we think it's original and unique and then by the time we get there we're like well that was obvious yeah. so we have to do something else and I and I'm pr I'm pretty damn sure that when I started writing the book she and her wife were pregnant and I think okay. it was her biological child our, our main character's biological child and then her wife leaves her and that's that's interesting that's fine whatever that happens every day but but um in I was trying to deal with her ex-wife's possession of this child. And I actually uh, called a uh, an attorney down South who does California law for gay couples who break up when they're pregnant, which apparently is a thing. I didn't know. Um, but I thought, what is, what is Jillian, our main character's ex-wife? What are her rights? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. But yeah. what, what way more interesting is what if this is not even biologically her child? What rights does Jillian, our main character have now? Right. Her wife has left her for, I think she leaves her for four or five months into the pregnancy. Right. Um, and, and what are those rights? And it was so funny. I appreciate this, Sarah, that like I called a bunch of places trying to talk to a lawyer for free. Cause I'm not going to, I didn't want to pay for this kind of advice. I was just trying to get somebody yeah. to come back. I just had like basically one question would this, would this fly? And I got, I only got one lawyer to call me back, but he was a writer and he, he spoke for 45 minutes and he picked my brain about, you know, self-publishing and what he should do with this book. And then he sent me a copy of his book when it published and it was fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. So it was one of those like really fun research times. Yeah. I feel like uh, whenever I have tried to reach out to lawyers with like, or like, yeah, usually with legal questions with, you know, murders or whatever. Yeah. Um, the responses I get are so unhelpful or just, I get no response. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think no response, but this guy was super excited. Kind of the opposite when you reach out to other professions, when you do what, what, what has been the most interesting research person that you've ever talked to? Um, oh my goodness. I, I mean, my father-in-law used to work in law enforcement. So that's been interesting. He's just been a great person to talk to yeah, because, yeah. like, you know, be like, so in an investigation, like, how, you know, if they have a suspect, do they like look for other suspects or like <laughs> pretty happy just with that one suspect? And he's like, no, usually they're pretty happy with that one. Um, or, you know, but so, you know, I'll ask him about, you know, protocol, certain protocols and whatever. And I remember he took me along on a, like, a training in case there was a terrorist attack or something like that, which is like, I'm in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> and this was like in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. It was like the terrorist attack was taking place at a playground, <laughs> but they had like SWAT teams. It was really neat. I mean, they had a helicopter landing and I, and he, um, he was super excited to have me along. And I'm, I, I'm trying to arrange like a ride along uh, and you know, like, but, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, there's, there's something you should be aware of called the curse of the ride along, oh. which is, which is basically if you were on a ride along, nothing, nothing will happen. Yeah, and I mean, you'll I spend seven that. hours in the car. And then as soon as you get in your car, there's a pursuit. And totally, a shooting totally. and a, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. right. I figured nothing would happen, but at least I'd like get the vibe of like, okay, yeah. this is what it's like. I don't know. Yeah. Um, because for me, I kind of have to, well, I mean, not in every situation because I've written about some pretty crazy things, but like, it's better if I'm kind of experiencing the thing along with whatever it is that's. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that said, I've, again, I've written about some pretty crazy things. Um, I would say that's the most interesting. I, I've definitely talked to, you know, interesting people in different fields, but like, I don't know if I. Have ever, you know, there, there, there are things that I think I feel like I should do. Like I, um, my next book is about sort of an intentional 
uh, I think, what are they called? Intentional communities. Basically, like a commune. Um, yes. But I don't think that's what they're called anymore. I, and, I, it's already signed me up for that because I yeah, so that. I, I'm like really what I should do is I should go down there and stay um, for a few days and maybe I will so that that would definitely be probably the most interesting um, yeah but you know what if I get kidnapped or something and then I won't come home no I don't think that'll happen um, research is just something that is so fun to do with it is. and again it's one of those things that I always do at the end of my books because me I too I don't want to get placeholders. They're placeholders, absolutely. Yeah, placeholders. Yeah. But I remember one time I was um, my favorite was at a crematorium that I went to because oh. I needed to see what happened behind the scenes, yeah. and this guy just did not care. He showed me everything. He told me all the secrets. He told me all the well, things that have gone wrong. It was the best. It was the yeah. best. That is cool. <laughs> <laughs> No research. It, it is fun, and I and again, like this year, I just feel like we weren't yeah. able to do anything. Although when I started out, I mean, the internet has come so far, and like YouTube. I remember for an, a book I was working on years ago, I was trying to look up old commercials from the seventies and eighties, and now like you just put that into YouTube and you can find anything. So, exactly. so it has made research for writers way, way, way easier. Um, so um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is that this is a uh, Jillian is well she had she's not with her what it's her wife right yeah yeah they were married okay yeah. her wife anymore and I just loved that this was a same sex couple and I feel like so many thrillers that I read it's like the perfect marriage the perfect husband not to knock any of those they're all very heteronormative and you know, very, I just, it was just really nice to read, like, because, uh, uh, I don't know, I just feel like it, obviously, of course, these people, everybody is going through, you know, creepy things or struggling things, but I just, I just wonder why that's not, there's not more, you know, representation. I don't know, it's something that I feel wonder too, but I've got to confess this to you, and it is something that I have forgotten until this moment. That okay, so stolen things came out, and um, also with Dutton, and <laughs> it was pretty political. It was uh, talking about police brutality, blah blah. blah. Um, and I I know that perhaps I wasn't going to do as political a book the next time, just to you know. Yeah. So I just remembered this that I wrote this as a straight couple on the first. <gasps> And then it just wasn't working. And it was so, so boring. And it was so yeah. heteronormative. And so, and it, I just did not care about this yeah. absolute jerk of a guy who was completely a cardboard cutout for the cheating husband leaving his right. pregnant wife. Yes. So um, I sent a, I just shot an email to my editor, Stephanie, and I said, could I, can I make this the same sex? And and for some reason, I'm stuck in 2002 in my head, right? And I was expecting her to say, well, you know, it just really might hurt the sales, blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, do it. That sounds great. And then I got really excited because this yeah. whole book is about women. It's about it's about women. It's, it's stuffed with women. There's like one guy, I think, and I don't even remember who it was, but, um, but that was really, really, really fun for me. And I got to... You know, we don't we don't put ourselves we put ourselves into all the books we write. Um, and I obviously wasn't writing about myself in any way, shape, or form. But I did get to make her queer, and she's my first major queer, uh, maybe my second major queer character. And also, I got to talk about addiction because she is. She That's is, right. I, that was gonna be my other question. Yeah, yeah, she's a recovering alcoholic, which I am. And what I wanted to show was just somebody living their life as a recovering alcoholic, not somebody. Right in the gutter, not somebody coming up out of the gutter, not somebody who thinks about alcohol every minute of the day, because I don't, I just yeah. live my life. I, however, I will say today, as we said beforehand, like today, the floors are going into our house as we get ready to move to New Zealand. I'm staying in a hotel. I was doing my makeup in the bathroom mirror, realizing I couldn't see <laughs> my eyeliner because I didn't bring the right glasses. And I was like, yeah, a drink would be really good right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and it runs through me and then it's gone and the craving is gone and it takes, you know, 14 seconds or something like that. But I wanted to show Jillian like me just having an absolutely damn normal life and yeah. also going to some recovery meetings. 
Yeah, and I love that because it's kind of in one of the really early chapters, and it's just sort of like, we're at the meeting house, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, did she mention this earlier? And I kind of went back and I was like, no, she did. And I was like, okay. You know, and it just wasn't like a big thing. Yeah, it wasn't, it didn't hit you over the head. It, it, I, but it also, and again, like I'm not that far into the novel, so I don't know what the stakes are going to be. I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to um, come up later. It might, um, it might not. No yeah, sorry. but it felt like another layer of like holding herself accountable and like a, another, you know, kind of thing she was struggling with. Like not really, but, you yeah. know, another layer. And I, I think that's sort of the character building and that this is just another you know, thing that makes her very real and, um, you know, authentic and, and just feels like, yeah, just like a real, a real person. But, and, and again, like with, you know, that it is her, her wife and that it is her, you know, her wife's biological child, like that just made it so much more interesting to me. <laughs> um, if it, versus if it would have just been a straight couple, and they had just split up and it was just a battle over who's, you know, the typical like right. custody of the baby once the baby is born. I think, like, I think added this interesting have, layer of complication that we have not thought about before. We have thank you for saying that. That really means a lot to me. We have to for me, I have to write the easy first, and then I have to go back and layer it because sometimes I'm just not smart enough to build all the to build the complexity and I have to get to know these characters and I have to get to know this story before yeah. I actually can start to be really creative about it which is why I love revision so much revision is where for me all the magic of writing is yeah oh me too yeah Yay. I love, I love yeah. revision I do yeah. not like first drafts yeah. um they're pretty they're they're even if you have an outline it's still like oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And everybody's like, it must be so fun to be a writer. Like, oh, you're just silent. I'm like, eh, it's not fun every day. It's, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great thing. Believe me. It's, it's the best, thing. it's like the best job in the whole world, but it is not easy. It's not for yeah. the kind of heart, but it's, it's so much fun. I yeah. feel like I want to take a moment and then maybe um, we can bring John back. But I want to um, just say for people uh, listening that uh, to reiterate that if you, by Hush Little Baby from Murder by the Book, which you should. I will send you a bloody book plate. It's the coolest book plate, Sarah. They like have blood dripping on it. It's it's the coolest. Uh -huh. um, but I also wanted to say if anybody buys any book, including Sarah's incredible reputation, um, I will also send you something in the mail, maybe a book plate to stick inside a different book. That would be fun. Oh. Why don't you do that? Um, so if you do that, I want to say if you buy a book, any book from Murder by the Book tonight, please let uh, John know and then send me, he'll send me your email. And um, that would be cool. And I, can I say one more thing about um shopping where what is your indie bookstore where you live in um it's called the penguin well there's there's a few there's one called white whale um and then there's i think it's called white whale god um yes that's a great name but my i had a mind block i think that's oh my god <laughs> i haven't been there in a year um then the other one that i do most of my events at is called the penguin uh bookshop and it is in um so pennsylvania and it is lovely and they um, are also online. Um, and, uh, I have a book actually coming out in July that, that I think I will be doing an event with them. So, um, isn't it cool though, to be doing these events online? Like seriously, I, I'm going to go swimming after this. I'm going to, yeah, I mean, that her stuff nice. and, like, that's amazing to not have to fly around and yeah. And, like, and we get to have people listening from all over. Yeah. I, really, I love that. I, I feel like, um, it's fun to, and I feel like a lot of people who wouldn't have gotten to be at an event because I don't go to a bookstore in their town or whatever, like right. get to, yeah. And that's, that's like, I love that. Um, that has been sort of a, a bright spot in doing a book tour. Um, yeah. 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 And that is, um, and I, and I, and I just, I, and I know I'm shilling here, but I love murder by the book. And sometimes um, I, will call and ask to talk to Sally, not even John, who is my dear, dear, dear friend, but Sally and I have the same reading sensibility. And I'll just say, Sally, I need $50 worth of books. Give me the scariest <laughs> stuff you've got. And she just puts it in the mail for me. So people buy a book for murder by the book. It's the best. Oh my gosh. I know it's crazy. Sally needs like to do a little, um, like a book club or something. <gasps> right? Like Sally's picks. 
Sowell picks. I'm in. Um, I love I love Houston. My husband is from there, so I now the next time we go, I'm gonna have to go to Murder by the Book because this is very exciting. I love Houston um, because John and Matt are there. Like literally, every you know, they showed me around. They're the ones who showed me what an amazing town Houston is. Yeah, good okay. food. Has the best food. Oh, that's good. Food. Food. Oh my goodness! I have one more question about yeah. your um, teaching. Tell oh, me, yeah. Like, yeah, what is uh, who do you teach? And just yeah, I'd love to hear about that because I, I am not. I do not teach. I um, so I, I teach um, the novel in uh, the extension workshop at at UC Berkeley, and I teach memoir usually for a full semester um, at Stanford in the fall. Although all that was all of that was going online and I didn't want to do it. Um, and now I really, what I really do is I teach my own classes. I teach a 90 days to done course Ooh. where I, I know where I take people through cool. a terrible first draft. I take them through it and I, you know, hold their hands while they write this terrible first draft of a novel, which we all have to do. And then yeah. I take the 90 day revision because I really believe in putting boxes of time around things. Otherwise people end up taking five, seven, nine, 15 years oh, totally. to write a book. Um, and they're not going to get a perfect book out of, out of those times, but, but they get that. And so that's yeah. what I'm teaching right now. And it's like, it's the light of my life, Sarah. Why, why don't you, you, do you want to teach? Yeah, I think it, I think it would be nice. Um, it's, it's like, we have the, a lot of the college therapy. Therapy. yeah, yeah I, I just need to kind of look into it. Um, well, I have a friend, um, Nicole Peeler. Do you know Nicole? No. She is the um she is the dean at Seton Hill of the oh, yeah. commercial fiction um MFA. So if you ever oh. wanna, if you ever want to hook up over there. Um yeah, maybe. That would be amazing. No, I just um I don't know. I, I have done a little bit of high school uh, workshops and things like that and it's just really uh rewarding to work with young writers or not young yeah. writers, just people who it's- yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think to myself, like, what do I like better? Do I like writing more or do I like teaching more? And teaching sometimes wants to trump writing and I don't let it. I actually started tracking my hours this last year in 2020 because I was getting concerned that I was spending more time teaching than I was writing. Yeah. And I wasn't. I, I proved to myself that I was writing more than I was teaching, but I was I was close to allowing it to take over me because it's it's the most rewarding thing I do is to watch people finish books. Yeah. And then, no, and then I have a shelf now at home where my students' books are lined up. Oh, that's it's one of the few things that's going to New Zealand with us. Oh, good. <laughs> what are you working on next, by the way, besides moving to New Zealand? I am working on a bunch of stuff. Um, but right now I'm working on um, another thriller idea, which is so scary that my wife will not let me talk about it with her. Um, period. She will not. Let me talk about it. Um, really, nobody knows what it's about yet. And also a very light kind of um, funny. Uh, the basis is uh, the the premise is Marie Kondo wants her stuff back. Although it's, it's not about Marie Kondo. But see, everybody does that. <laughs> she she regrets. She has regrets. Oh, so, so cute. I love it. That's what I, I'm playing with both of those ideas right yeah. now. That's so fun. Yeah. Do we want to check in with questions? Yeah, let's let's check in and see what John says. Hi, John. Hello. Oh, but you're still on mute, John. I always forget to unmute myself when I come back in, um, which I should know by now. I've done like 400 of these. I should know that. Um, you guys have done a really great job of actually hitting a lot of the questions that have come up. Oh, I want to throw, yeah, yes. so I wanted to throw in a few things. So I've, I've been dropping links in the comments um, as they were talking about independent bookstores. If you guys don't have an indie near you or you're looking for one, I dropped a link for IndieBound.com. Yes. You can go there. You put in your zip code. They will find you the nearest bookstore. Uh, we also, I didn't mention this when we were doing doing the intro, but we also recently started a subscription box service. So we do have one. We do. So we have three three different options. One of them is just a kind of best of the month where we pick, it could be any subgenre of thriller. We pick something. And if you sign up for that one, you get a, uh, it's one hardback a month and you get a book club style zoom with the author. And we try to get signed books or book plates. Uh, the other one is a crime fiction classics where we pick two trade paperback mysteries that we think somehow go together. Last month we did um, Arthur Conan Doyle because we know a lot of people have not read Sherlock and an early kind of American Sherlock. And then the third one, 
which is my favorite, um, is John's Cozy Corner. So if you want me to pick out a, a specific cozy mystery for you, we also have a Cozy Corner one. And they're available for mailing or pickup. And you can do three months. You can do 12 years. So I have also dropped links to that in the comments if anybody's I love that. Oh my gosh, so I'm doing much. it. I'm going to sign up. That is so, so, so cool. Thank you. Thank you, John. It's, it's been so much fun doing it. You know, other stores have done it for years and we finally got our butts in gear and we were able to do it. Um, so Sarah, uh, so Rachel told us what she is working on next. What do you have coming up? You said you yes, got something coming out in July. I do. And now I'm like, can I get down to Houston and like, yeah, and like sign book plates that are bleeding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a book coming out called um, Safe in My Arms. It is a, it is a thriller. It is about um, this sort of very prestigious nursery school, again, about mothers. And there are sort of these three mothers who link up that are very much outliers in the community. They feel like they are kind of being pushed out um, and, you know, they don't they don't really fit in and they kind of find themselves into in this predicament. Of course, secrets are exposed and there are twists and turns and fun things like that. So um, it, it does feel like it, it was it was more this book is more about certain issues, I think that where you're like, I did not want to write so much of a political book. It's not a political book at all, but it, it has, you know, it, it talks about like, you know, a lot of like postpartum issues that are ignored and like, just, just kind of things like that, where I just thought like, what are some interesting aspects of motherhood that we don't really think about? That's so um, awesome. Yeah. So that is out. I feel terrible because I don't know the precise date that it's out. Um, July 27th. Oh, perfect. there you go. It's <laughs> so right in the middle of summer. Um, but, but yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's a great, great title too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I am not a title person, but I actually came up you, with that one. That's your title. Wow. That's my title. Yeah. I usually don't do my titles. I don't either. Um, but I, well, I do my titles, but they're always rejected. Yeah. Yeah. Usually my, they're not good. No, no, this doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and actually they said that about this one about saving my arms. And I was like, no, I really like it. And oh, like, I love it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, with like a dark spooky cover. They're yeah. like, yeah. like, no, you don't get it. So I say Sa- safe in my arms and hush little baby would look good next to each other. They would. They would. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so Rachel, lots of people are saying that they hope that once you get to New Zealand that you will do a writing workshop. And they said, even if you don't, you're going to have them just randomly showing up on your doorstep. Absolutely. And I am planning on doing some kind of writing retreat. Um, that that I mean, I think that's a crazy long way to go, to go to a writing retreat, but I will handle it and we will do it. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I used to lead them in Venice a lot and I probably will start that again, but 2020 really burned me with a Barcelona trip. Whew. <laughs> I'm not recovered yet from leading retreats and having them canceled. Uh, So for both of you, Mindy wants to know, when do you do any of the necessary research for your writing process? Do you do it before you get started or are you researching as you're writing? Uh, I'm researching after I write. (laughs) Like like we mentioned, I place placeholders. Sometimes I'll do like a quick Wikipedia kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But otherwise I'll get lost. I mean, the danger is always getting lost in research and then getting, for me, it's getting too concerned. Like, well, am I doing this right or wrong? Honestly, so this, so Jillian is a doctor and I know that to write a doctor, number one, I need to have doctors read it. I had a couple um, doctors and a midwife, uh, nurse midwife read it and they gave me all the verbiage. And as yeah. long as you can get like six or seven really convincing, very technical sentences out, your reader will believe anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you no, find it that is true. Yeah. I, I, what you really need uh is an expert in the field yeah to, to read and they're like no no it's fine yeah, yeah or, or or good enough um those i've had a lot of different things that have come up one time i had to have a jeweler read i wrote a book called the heiresses that was a lot about diamonds and and i just i don't know anything about any of that so um just had a jeweler read through it and yeah, just get kind of technical in certain time moments. Yeah. And you can um, send them the parts that are relevant. They don't have to even. Right. Read it, but, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I will probably do a little, a little research here and there just to make sure like, as I'm writing something to make sense and I'm like not writing myself into a corner of like, yeah. you know, but I mean, I can't think of a, of an example. Um, usually something complicated, like a legal thing or like, you know, something like that where I'm like, wait, 
could this happen? So I need to, you know, certain yes. things where I need to make sure like something will happen. But yeah, that, that whole conversation I had with a lawyer about what would be legal in California. Yeah. That had to happen in the middle of the book because it was a complication I just introduced and I didn't know if it would work. Yeah. 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 Ooh, I can't wait to get there. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys touched you guys touched on this a little bit too but sandra says as a queer woman she wanted to thank you for both for being inclusive of the queer community in your books mm. which yeah like just like sarah said rachel you know it was so nice to be able to read uh, a queer woman who was in a relationship who isn't now in this book and it not be about her coming out or specific yeah. yeah you just got to be like just a lesbian living in the world as a, uh, as I don't want to say a normal person, but just going about their life as anybody else would. And it's, it's really refreshing. And like, like you said, there, there's not a lot of that. Unfortunately, a lot of times in thrillers, as I'm sure you both know, as you read them, the second a gay character pops up, you're like, okay, this person's going to be dead by the end of the next chapter. Well, they're yeah. going to be dead or they're going to be the killer. Yeah. Right. Not okay. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. No. <laughs> um, uh, so and you guys touched on this a little bit too, but Edward wants to know how has the pandemic been for both of you as far as like creative output has got, gone? Sarah, you go first. I'm not even sure. Um, <laughs> you know, the first couple months, weeks, I, I felt a little stuck. Um, you know, the thing that's that's been hard is like a, a lot of my creativity comes with being out in the world and and talking to other people or traveling or just like being anywhere but in my house. Um, so that was not great. Um, that said, I mean, I still, you know, finished a novel and wrote a proposal for a new one and like worked on various other things and like found the creativity somehow. Do I think it has been my most creative year? No. Yeah. Um, but you know, I got through, I also had to do a lot of homeschooling, <laughs> which like, you know, and you're uh, not a teacher. We've established that. You were, you were not a trained teacher. You should have had to no. do that. Oh my God. I can't teach children to read. <laughs> um, I'm just like, how do you not know? Just, just do it. <laughs> yeah. So no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, for me, kind of the same, same thing. I've always written out of the house. I love being out in the world and, um, same thing. I finished a book. I, I've gotten a lot of nonfiction, creative nonfiction written and less fiction. I, I did finish a full draft of a book that I'm still toying with. Um, so I, I guess creativity has been happening, but I feel, I just feel more fractured. I feel more, pull, I feel pulled in more directions. I think, I think everything is shiny maybe um, right now, especially now that we're hopefully starting to come out of it. Everything, I want to do everything. I want to do yeah. all the things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, what was the, um, what was the, can you talk a little bit about the decision to have the book come out as R.H. Heron instead of Rachel Heron? Yeah, um, that was actually yeah. from the publisher uh, mm -hmm. because R.H. sounds just a little bit spookier. And also Rachel Heron with her, the darker family drama books had just not sold very well. So it looks better on their side at the numbers if they're launching oh, you as a as a debut author, which is which really felt uncomfortable to me for stolen things because even on the book jacket it says um, R. H. Heron is a debut author who lives in Northern California, and and it is true that technically they call you a debut because that 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 can um, help your sales. But I'm like I'm not a debut author. It feels like a lie. It feels like a lie. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I think they said that uh, it's a, maybe a, uh, on this on the new jacket. I think it says maybe that it's a pseudonym for a yeah. Uh, author in but R. H. Heron is my real name because my middle name is Holly and Rachel Heron is my real name. So I I'm pretty comfortable with both, but it was a, it was actually a conversation when they were buying the book, they said, would you mind being initials Heron? And I said, I would absolutely not mind. I would love it. I think it sounds good. I think it does too. Right. Yeah. 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 And it is a little spooky. Yeah. 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 Rachel, Rachel Heron is a little bit sweet sounding. Yeah. Sweet. Well, you know, they're both yeah. good. <laughs> But R.H., who's that R.H.? Ra, Ra, Aaron. This is a great question. Um, uh, Emma from Melbourne is watching, and she said, Rachel, you said you go back and you like to add layers to character. What are your some? What are some of your favorite ways to add richness to a character? Oh, that's a really, really great question. I 
In order to add richness, you know, it's spending time with them, uh, spending a long enough time with them that they become a full and unique character on their own. So when I write a first draft, they are cardboard cutouts <laughs> and I'm pushing them. As I love Sarah, you're laughing. Yes, yes same. Yeah, I'm just pushing them around and making them do what I want them to do. And I don't know who they are until at least the first draft and sometimes, you know, midway into the second draft. Um, but after a while, they start breathing on their own and they start answering things a little bit differently and they they start standing up. And that's when it sounds a little bit woo woo. And I don't I, I, I always I can't stand it when you know authors like, well, I just, you know, the muse moves through me and the pen moves on its own. It does not for me. <laughs> um, but the characters start to live and they start to surprise me and I start to believe them. Maybe that's the thing is that I'm, I am layering them. Um, but it is their reaction to things that surprise me. And I think that makes them real. If that makes sense. What about you, Sarah? I, I think it's, it's, it's a lot. It's the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it is just sort of spending time with them. I mean, I, I feel like often I, will write pages and pages and pages just about the character that I think are going to be in the book and then they're not, but yeah. they're useful because yeah. you're just writing about them or writing about their past or writing about something that happened to them two days ago, like whatever. And, and you know, it doesn't need to be there, but it kind of does need to be there. Um, just, it just says you're sort of for you. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. So pretty little liars was like 16 books and I'm always asking my, editor my publisher like um and the people that i worked with on those books can i please do more of those because i know those characters so well yeah. that like i don't even need to i mean obviously i have to think of things that can happen to them but like i know them and i know how they're going to react because that's just who they are like i've written 16 books about them because they're real um, they're real people now yeah, they're they're absolutely real yeah. people um and, you know, I wish I could, all of my books were 16 books long because it's like, you, that's, you know, that's a nice amount of time to spend with a character and to make a character real. But like, yeah, I think that's, I think you're totally right. I think it's just spending a lot of time and, and putting in that time. And yeah, I mean, they are just so cardboardy when, you know, um, and just details, you know, just like, I just try to think, you know, even... Uh, it, like even if I'm somewhere else and I just think of like that's a detail that this character that would work for this character and it could be the silliest thing like you know what kind of soda they like to drink or whatever and I'll put it in my phone like as a note of just like and just sort of keep this list of just randomness um but I feel like the more detail you can kind of fill your character with the more real they become could not agree more Awesome. Well, I think we are just about out of time, but I could listen to you guys forever. We've got so many great comments. People have been enjoying it. Um, so just to recap for anybody who has joined us late, we have been chatting with R.H. Heron, whose new book, Hush Little Baby, just came out yesterday. Uh, and Sarah Shepard has been kind enough to chat with us. Um, her most recent release is Reputation, um, which is in paperback, but she has uh, Safe in My Arms, which is coming out on July 27th. I've dropped a link if you want to pre-order that. You can pre-order that for Murder by the Book. And yeah, Sarah, next time, like if you find yourself in Houston or if you want to come to Houston, open invitation, let us oh know. We would love to see you. Um, yeah. I'm so excited. And I'm going to get the subscription box. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know which and, one yet. But. <laughs> uh, and, and if you go to the website, it'll actually like for the each, each individual ones, it'll kind of give you an idea of kind of what we've picked previously so you okay. can kind of see what they were. Cool. Um, and so for everybody watching, if you missed any part of tonight's chat, you will be able to rewatch it on Facebook and YouTube once we're done. Um, or if you know somebody who's picked up the books and they want to hear the chat, you can share those links. Sometimes YouTube takes just a little bit longer to get the encoding done before it's up. But while you're there, we hope you will check out all of the other great author events that we have done. Um, we have pretty much any mystery subgenre and most mystery authors represented in there. So there's lots of great content if you just want to go wild and watch hours and hours of author interviews. Um, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. Like, this has been so much fun tonight, Rachel. I'm so sad that we don't actually get to go, like, have Tex-Mex after this. I know. Oh. That's the best. Oh, it's the best. And can, please consider yourself hugged. And I'm really glad that I got to see your gorgeous husband before we started rolling, too. Me, too. And I'm so, I'm so glad we got to be a part of, of launching this book out in the world, as I said before. Like, it's so fantastic. Sarah, you were in for such a treat. Like, it's just, so you're going to hit this 
be warned, you're probably about the point where you're gonna not want to put it down. So make sure that you've got time to inhale the rest of it. Okay. Sarah, Sarah, thank you for your awesome questions and just like being here and oh, finally yeah. connecting after many years of knit blogging. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna reach out. Yeah, and just let you know because I'm sure I'll finish it in the next couple of days and hopefully you won't be off to New Zealand by then. So no. ten more weeks, ten more weeks. Oh thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you every okay. Yeah, we've got to sell the house, which is why for some reason I thought it was that. ten days. I was like <gasps> That would be even worse. My I think ten days out, I'll probably be ready. But right now, I am not. Ready. Okay. All right. Did I, did I mention that I went out of the house and went around the world doing things right before this, and then I looked down and I was wearing two different shoes. I like like in a rom com. This has never happened before. So, yeah. Thank you, thank you, everyone, and thanks for everyone for showing up and watching and listening. And I also wanted to send out a huge thank you to Jamie at Dutton uh, for helping yes! us put this up. We adore Jamie, and I saw that she was watching earlier, so we wanted to give oh. a big shout out to Jamie. She's one of our favorite people to work with. So, Jamie, Jamie thank you for helping us get this set up. So, y'all have a great night. Rachel, go swim. Um, thank you. And Ooh, yes, swim. Okay, bye, I'll everybody. Thank you. Bye. bye.